Thank you so very much. Uh, if you were paying close attention, I hope you were. So this morning we focused in song, we focused on God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's majesty and God's holiness. It's, it's hard to get any more Christ-centric than that, amen, to just sing of the nature and the character of our great and mighty and awesome and faithful and good and glorious and majestic God. So if you are a guest of ours or, or maybe you haven't been in a while or whatever the case may be, we are studying through the uh, uh, Experiencing God Bible Study as a church, uh, and we are primarily doing that on Wednesday nights, meaning our adults are studying through that um, study our students and our children as well. And then on Sunday mornings, we're trying to bring it all together kind of in a summary fashion. And so this week, we are in uh, week five, and the title of today's message is Listening to God Speak. And so here's kind of where I want to begin. Here's where I want to launch from this morning, and that's from this week's memory verse. Okay? And if you're going through the study, you're familiar with it. If you're not, that's okay. Uh, look with me here on the screen. And so let's begin with John 8, 47. For Jesus makes a very poignant statement here. And the implications of this verse are enormous for all of us. Listen to what he says. The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Another translation says it this way, the one who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. And now just think real quickly, just, just consider the magnitude of that truth. And at, at its greatest impact is really, is really this statement here. If you um, are, are, do not know and understand, if you have not heard God speak, it may be something as simple as this, that you don't have a relationship with him. For that's where it begins. If we are going to hear God speak, if we are going to discern God's voice, then it begins with a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. In this week's study, Henry Blackaby made this statement, and I quote, If a Christian does not know when God is speaking, he or she is in trouble at the heart of his or her Christian life. One of the most important requirements for following Christ, for faithfully following him, for this journey that we are on with Christ is understanding and hearing and discerning the voice of God, knowing when God speaks and knowing with clarity that it indeed is God speaking and understanding what he is saying. Last week, we briefly mentioned this, that, that we live in a world, and we studied it in the study this week, we studied several reasons why it's so hard to hear from God in today's world, and one of those was this, that, that we are surrounded by so much noise. There is so much going on around us that sometimes we're overwhelmed and it's hard to hear from God. We, we have so many things happening. We, we've got phones in our pocket that are constantly beeping or vibrating. We've got things flashing up on our computer, the radio, the television, the social media, uh, the, 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 just all this stuff, right? Just a lot of noise in our world. 
But then a second primary reason that we looked at this week it, that, that, that may affect us hearing from God is sin. Maybe we're living in willful and deliberate sin against the Lord. We're engaged in that which we know to be ungodly and unholy. And we need to know this and be reminded of this. When there's known sin in our life, that affects our relationship with God. It, 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 it gets in the way of us hearing and following the Lord. So, whatever the reason may be, uh, my prayer is that, that in just a few minutes after we've walked through these principles from Scripture, that we would better understand how God speaks and we'd better know how to discern His voice uh, in this world in which we find ourselves today. So, here's how I want us to begin. Let's begin kind of going back and look at, look at a bit of historical context here. If you're following along there in the notes on, on the back of your bulletin, here's the first statement. How God spoke in the Old Testament. Let's take a look at that. How did God speak in the Old Testament? Okay, In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, um, the writer of Hebrews gives us the answer to that question. Look with me here. The Bible says, long ago... God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And so how did God speak to his children in the Old Testament? He spoke by the prophets, but he did so in many different ways and at many different times. For example, in Genesis chapter 15, he spoke through the prophet by visions. In Genesis 16, he spoke to the prophet through dreams. In Genesis 28, he spoke through um, angels. In Exodus 28, he spoke through the casting of lots, or what you and I would refer to today as the rolling of the die, okay? Uh, in Exodus or Jeremiah chapter 18, he spoke through symbolic actions. In 1 Kings 19, he spoke through a still, small voice, a, a gentle whisper, and we looked at that in a little more detail last week. In Exodus chapter 8, he spoke through miraculous signs. And so, as we understand how God spoke in the Old Testament, here, here's what's most important. Don't get bogged down. Don't get, don't, don't get overwhelmed or enamored with how God spoke, whether it was through a burning bush or a gentle whisper or whatever it may have been, a talking donkey. It doesn't matter. Don't get caught up in how God spoke. Here, here's the most important thing that God spoke, that the almighty God of the universe, the creator of all creation, the one who created you in his image and according to his likeness, the one who gives you life and breath, that that God chooses to speak, to make himself known to his people. That's what's most important, not necessarily how he spoke. So let's go forward. Let's look next at how God spoke in the Gospels. How God spoke in the Gospels. And Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2 answers that question. Here's what we read. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the Gospels, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the, of the New Testament, God spoke to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Look with me here from John 14, beginning in verse 8. We see a conversation that Jesus is obviously engaged in with his disciples. And one of those, Philip, has the nerve to ask the question that they're all thinking. And notice what he says here. Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the, excuse me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Now, here's, here's what we understand from that passage of Scripture here in your notes. When Jesus spoke, it was God the Father speaking through him. When Jesus worked, it was God the Father working through him. Now, don't misunderstand me. That is in no way to diminish the power of Christ or the deity of Christ or anything like that. It's just to understand this, that in those 33 years of his earthly life, God was speaking and God was working through his son, Jesus Christ. In the same way that Moses was face-to-face with God at the burning bush, the disciples were face-to-face with God in their relationship with Christ. In the same way that Moses encountered God on Mount Sinai, the disciples likewise encountered God in their relationship and in their experience with Jesus. Okay? To hear from Jesus the Scripture teaches us, was equivalent to hearing from God the Father. They didn't need to see the Father, for they had the Christ, God the Son. And here's what we understand from both the Old Testament and particularly the Gospels, and, are, is, and is equally true today, and, but we'll get into that more in a moment. Here's what we understand. Here are three principles we see uh, from both the Old Testament and the Gospels particularly. When God spoke, either through one of the many ways that he spoke by the prophets, through dreams or visions or miraculous signs or a burning bush or whatever it may have been, or if he spoke through Jesus, the experience was usually, not always, but usually unique to that individual or to that context, to that setting. Let me give you some illustrations from Scripture. Only one individual has heard from God through a burning bush, and that was Moses. Only Elisha heard from him in a still, small voice on top of the mountain, and yet that was in the midst of this great and mighty windstorm and a hurricane, an earthquake, and a, and a mighty fire, and yet it was a still, gentle whisper. The Samaritan woman at the well, that was an encounter unique to her and her experience, and she heard from God. She, she engaged with Christ there, okay? So the second principle that we understand is when God spoke, the person would come to know and understand it was God speaking. In other words, the individual never, never left the encounter doubting that it was God speaking, Look back again at the burning bush. When Moses left that encounter with God, he didn't walk away scratching his head wondering, was that God? Should I listen to him? How do I know that? He knew it was God. When that woman, that Samaritan woman at the well, left that encounter with Christ, she knew she had spoken with the God of the universe. How? Because she ran to her city to tell them, we have found the Messiah, the one who is to come. They knew They'd encounter God. And then the third principle we understand is when God spoke, the person knew what God said. In other words, there was clarity in the message. There was not ambiguity. There was clarity. Now, 
You and I no longer live in the days of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is no longer living in bodily form on this earth. So, how does God speak today? How do we listen? How do we hear from God today? Well, that's the next thing we're going to look at, all right? So, if you're following along, how God speaks today. Beginning in Acts chapter 2 to the present. Now, remember what happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 records for us the day of Pentecost. And it was on that day when God uh, sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in those early followers of Christ. Why didn't it happen in Acts chapter 1? Why didn't it happen previously? Because up until Acts chapter 2, Jesus Christ was present. He was here on this earth, and God was speaking and working through him. But after he ascended to the Father, it was then that Jesus had promised that God would send the Holy Spirit to us. And so beginning in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and continuing to, through today, God speaks to his people by the Holy Spirit. Just like he spoke by the prophets in many different times and different ways in the Old Testament, how he spoke by Christ, today he speaks to his people by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's walk through this a little bit. Let's try to just get a little better understanding of the role and the function of the Holy Spirit, particularly as it relates to this truth that God speaks by the Holy Spirit to his people. When an individual places his or her faith in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in their life. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within that person. It's true for any of you who have placed your faith in Christ. It's true for me, and it's true for every man, woman, and child in every generation all over the world that has said yes to Jesus Christ. Look with me here from 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Remember, Paul is writing to the Christians in the city of Corinth, and look what he writes. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple, God's dwelling place, and that the Spirit of God lives in you, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then further in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, watch this, who is in you, whom you have from God, who dwells in you. Now, this is a profound mystery, in all honesty, a mystery that our finite minds have a really difficult time understanding. But in this mysterious and miraculous way, when you and I surrender in faith to Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit, the third member of the triune God, comes to dwell in us, to take up residence in us. And He is there living in us. And now, we are told we are the temple of God. We are the place where God's Spirit dwells. And because the Holy Spirit dwells in us as followers of Christ, He can speak to us and He can work in us at any moment. Scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Look with me at John 15 and verse 26. Jesus is speaking and look what He says to us. When the counselor comes, the one I will send, you, send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. 
I want you to be encouraged this morning, church, that, that, that the Holy Spirit that dwells in us is not the spirit of chaos, nor is he the spirit of confusion. He is the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. Next, look with me at John 16, beginning in verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Now look back with me closely at verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth or he will teach you all truth. He is the, the teacher. He is the illuminator of truth. And you and I understand spiritual truth because God's Holy Spirit reveals that to us. Church, we need to remember something. Spiritual truth can only be revealed by God. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, that same uh, letter to that, those Christians in Corinth. Look what we read here. Now we have not received the spirit of the world but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it, since it is evaluated spiritually. So how do we understand these few verses? Look with me in your notes. Here, here's what we need to walk away with. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he will lead us to understand spiritual truth. None of us can understand spiritual truth unless the Holy Spirit teaches us spiritual truth. You and I are not capable of understanding the things of God unless God is to, is to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let, let me kind of walk back to the very beginning of, your, of, of our journey with Christ. At some point, if you're here today and you are a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, at some point, God's Holy Spirit began to work in your heart and your mind. And God's Holy Spirit began to show you your sin, and He began to convince you of your need of a Savior. You and I didn't wake up one day with this realization because of our education or our experience or our background or anything else like that. We didn't wake up one day with this realization. You know what? My sin is separating me from a holy and righteous God. I need to be saved. No. The Holy Spirit began to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, began to teach us spiritual truth and reveal to us our sin and our need of a Savior. And then at some point, you and I said yes to Jesus Christ. And even now, as a Christian, you and I are still being taught truth by the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to our final point for this morning, how God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. So how does God speak to us through the Holy Spirit? Today... In the year 2024, the primary way that God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit is through the Bible and through prayer. He does speak to us in some ways through circumstances and through the church, through other Christians, and we're going to get into that a little bit more next week. But the primary way 
primary ways that God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit today are through the Bible and through prayer. And so let's just under, t- take a look at that. When we open the written Word of God, when we open the Bible, the Holy Spirit will take its words and teach us truth. It's one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the responsibilities the Holy Spirit has to teach us truth. And so here's what happens. The Spirit of truth uses God's Word to reveal to us God's nature and God's character, God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy and God's kindness and God's compassion and God's justice and and, and God's um, forgiveness and on and on. And so the Spirit of truth uses God's Word to reveal to us God's nature and God's character. Secondly, the Spirit of truth uses God's Word to reveal to us God's plan and, and God's purpose. What, what, what is God doing in this world? What, what is God doing in history? And the Spirit of truth shows us through the written word what God is doing and how God is working. And then finally, the Spirit of truth uses God's word to instruct us in God's ways, in the ways that God would have us to go. Look with me in your notes. When God the Holy Spirit teaches me truth, in God's Word, that is an encounter with God. That is an experience with God. I would imagine most of you in this room, maybe not all, but most of you, as you have read the Bible from time to, as you've read the Bible, from time to time, as you're reading through a passage of Scripture that you've read any number of times previously, All of a sudden, for the first time, you're reading through this passage and the light goes on, right? Something clicks and you see something in that passage that you've never seen before. God reveals to you something, shows you something new that in previous occasions you have just just kept reading right by. Friends, listen carefully. Don't dismiss that. Don't take that for granted. That is the Holy Spirit of God teaching you truth bringing illumination to your mind to understand what God's Word says. So make a note of that. Write that down. Underline it in your Scripture. Put a date out beside it, whatever you need to do, as a reminder how God God taught you truth in that moment. That is an encounter with God. That is God speaking to you and working in you. Next, when we pray... When we pray, the Holy Spirit will teach us truth. Let me remind you of just some principles of prayer that, that, that are, are good to remember. Prayer is a two-way fellowship. It is a two-way communication with God. We speak to God, and God speaks to us. Prayer absolutely and obviously includes us sharing with God the depths of our heart. But prayer also includes us listening to God and hearing from God. And some of you may be bothered by this. I hope not, but here's the reality. What God has to say in prayer, listen carefully, is far more important than what we have to say in prayer. It's far more important to hear what God has to say than it is for God to hear what we have to say. Prayer is rooted in this love relationship that we have with God. And the purpose of prayer, listen carefully, the purpose of prayer is to adjust our thinking, to adjust our mindset, to adjust 
our worldview, to adjust our behavior to align with God's. I know I'm guilty of this. Sometimes in prayer, we pray in a manner that whether we say it out loud or not, here's what we're hoping. We're hoping that God will adjust his plans to match our plans, aren't we? But that's never the purpose of prayer. Prayer is not to get God to change what God wants to do to fit our wants. Prayer is to get us to change what we want to do to agree with God, what God wants to do. Look with me at Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Unfortunately, this is one of, the, one verse, one of many, several verses that's often taken uh, grossly out of context. Look what we read here. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Now, we love the second half, the, the, the second clause of verse 4. It says, and he will give you your heart's desires. And so here's what happens. Are you ready? Here's the practical result of that. And so we cry out to God, and we pour our desires before God's throne, and we, and, and we go before him, and we're asking him, and we're pleading with him to do for us what we want done in our life. And then we get frustrated when it doesn't work out that way. Why doesn't it work out? Because the first half is often ignored. What does it say? Take delight in the Lord. Or another translation says, delight yourself in the Lord. And here's what that means. That when the Lord is our delight, when he is our joy, and he is our hope, and he is our peace, and he is our contentment, and he is our fulfillment, when our relationship with him is one of, of, of great personal intimacy, here's what happens. Are you ready? All of a sudden, our desires begin to change to match God's desires. And now when we begin to pray God's desires for our life, God answers and gives us those heart's desires. You see, here's the challenge for all of us this morning. Are you ready? You and I, we, we need to get to that place where our heart's desires align with God's desires and then our prayers will perfectly align with his, his will and his plan and his purpose. And then guess what happens? He gives us our heart's desires because our heart's desires agree with his. Now, let's keep going. God will never lead us in prayer to do something that contradicts his written word. Over the years, as a pastor, I've, I've, on many occasions, I've had people come to me and say, well, God's told me to do this. That's a pretty big statement. That's a pretty bold statement to make. I don't ever try to argue with you. If you're going to tell me God told you to do this, but here's what I am going to say to you. Would you confirm that from God's word? And on occasions, they've looked at me to say, what do you mean? I said, well, if God's told you to do this, then, then, then he will confirm it in his word. So let's confirm it in his word. Let, let's work this out. And on some occasions, they've been unable to do that. Listen to me. God will never say to us to do something in prayer that doesn't agree with his word. If we ever think that, we are 100% incorrect. 
What God says to us in prayer will never contradict what God says to us in his word. For an example, some simple examples, right? God's never going to tell us in prayer to gossip about someone because gossip is sin. God's never going to tell us in prayer to go rob a bank because robbing a bank is sin. God's never going to tell us in prayer to have to commit adultery because adultery is sin. And the list goes on and on. You can fill in the blank with anything you may want to. The bottom line is this, that, that, that what God sh- tells us and shares with us through prayer will never disagree with his written word. We can always confirm what we sense God saying to us in prayer through God's word, all right? So look with me in your notes. When God the Holy Spirit teaches me truth in prayer, that is an encounter with God. In the same way that when God the Holy Spirit teaches us truth through his word, that is an encounter with God. Likewise, when God teaches us truth through prayer, that too is an encounter with God. That is an experience with God. And that's what we are after. So, let me wrap this up this morning. I want to give you just two Two, two steps of application, right? How do we apply these truths to our life? How do we get to this place where we are knowing and discerning the voice of God? If we want to hear God speak, if we want to see God move in a mighty way, if we want to see God move in a mighty way in our individual lives, if we want to see God move in a mighty way in our marriages, in our families, in, our, in this church, in this community, what, what, what has to be present? Well, at a very minimum, these two disciplines have to be present in your life and my life if we want to see God move mightily. If we want to hear the voice of God in a way we've never heard before. Number one, I need to make spending time in God's Word a priority. I need to make spending time in God's Word a priority. If if the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to us, well, then it only makes logical sense that I need to make spending time in God's Word a priority. I need to read God's Word, and I need to study God's Word, and the two are not the same. I need to meditate on God's Word. I need to memorize God's Word. The clearest and simplest way for you and me to hear God speak is in His Word. We need to make this a daily appointment in our calendar. I don't want to see a show of hands, but, but I just want you to think about this. Many of you around this room may have doctor's appointments this week. Here's the reality, right? We, we will move heaven and earth to make sure we don't miss a doctor's appointment. I mean, they're hard to come by, aren't they? <laughs> you call the office, well, it's going to be 90 days from now or whatever it may be. So when that day comes, we're going to move heaven and earth to get there, right? What would happen if you and I moved heaven and earth to spend time with God every day, that we made spending time in His Word that much of a priority that we do the other appointments on our daily schedule. Listen, if you're the kind of person that needs to put it in your calendar and set a reminder so that your phone or computer or whatever it may be beeps to remind you, spend time with God, do it. (laughs) Do whatever you need to do. But make an appointment with God every day that you refuse to miss. Spend time in God's Word. The second application is I need to make spending time in prayer a priority. 
I need to make spending time in prayer a priority. Church, we need to build in alone time every day with God. Every day. Look with me at this verse of Scripture from Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Yet, he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Now, real quickly, I want us to just kind of dissect this verse. The he there is in reference to Christ. Yet Christ often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So what do we see here? Number one, he says he often did this. It wasn't sporadic. It wasn't occasionally. It wasn't every once in a blue moon. Jesus often, regularly, this was a regular had part of his life, a habit that he was committed to, a discipline that he engaged in. He often regularly withdrew. He got away. Now, notice what it says next, to deserted places. Church, you and I need to withdraw on a regular basis. I would argue on a daily basis, we need to withdraw, and we need to find a quiet place, a deserted place, a place free from the, from the telephone and free from TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and, and all the other things. We need to get to a place where there's no distractions, no television, and no radio, and no, none of all that other noise. We need to find a quiet, deserted place. And notice what else it says next. And he prayed. And he prayed. Now, I, I know this to be true. I, I am a long way from the sharpest tack in the box. But I do understand this. If God the Son, the creator of all creation, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins, the one who rose from the dead, the one who was coming again to establish his kingdom, if it was important to Jesus to get away and spend time alone with the Father, then it should be important to me and you. Amen? That's, that's simple. That's not, that's not difficult theology there, is it? That's easy. He often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Church, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Do whatever you need to do to find time every day to spend alone with God. If you need to get up an hour earlier before your house becomes chaotic, if you need to stay up an hour later after everybody else is in bed, whatever you need to do and, and how, whatever it looks like for you, if for you that's just prayer walking your neighborhood, prayer walk, whatever it may be, however you can get away and spend time alone with God, do it. It is absolutely vitally necessary. If we are going to hear God speak, if we are going to discern the voice of God, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for the songs that we have sung. I pray, Lord, that have brought you honor and glory. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study your word today. And Heavenly Father, in these next few minutes, I would just ask and pray that you would grab hold of every heart and every mind here, Lord, that you would draw all of us closer to Jesus. Father God, I ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would overwhelm us and that it would interrupt our life right now in these moments. And Lord God, you would work in ways that only you can. 
and you would do so, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Lord Jesus, be glorified, be magnified, be exalted in this place today. And it's in your name that we humbly pray. Amen.